I want to preach on something. And uh, yeah, so there's been some anticipation building from my message. You know, you forget the power of a broadcast group because you put on there, you've got some exciting news, and then people are like, what is it? Um, I've heard some interesting ones. Um, so Margaret said maybe she thought Andrew was coming today. I was like, that'd be amazing. I'd be just as, as excited as you. And uh, Gabe said, have we bought a building? I was like, no, wow. <laughs> so the expectations are high. So let me just, uh, let me just measure that a little. And Karen wanted ice cream. So where is Karen? Yeah. I mean, not that spiritual, but anyway. <laughs> now we know. Karen just wants ice cream. Okay, so there is, a, there is, an, there is, there is exciting news, but... I, Anyway, I'll get to it. So I don't, I don't, I'm trying not to build up the hope, because like, it's part of my sermon, so just bear with me, okay? Um, but it is exciting, because I feel like the last few weeks we've been processing stuff internally, and a lot of the messages have been about internal stuff, like how to resolve conflict in the life of the church, and, and before that of being of one mind and one accord and one spirit and, and doing stuff, and, and Julian preached, I missed it, but on grace and faith, which I heard was, was really, really, really good. So it's been a lot of kind of inward stuff and focusing inward. And tonight I want to, I want to look out. Because as a church, we can't always just be looking in. We need to be looking out. We look, need to be looking external and not just at the present, but at the future. Okay, and what does the future look like? And what is one aspect of the future for us as a congregation? So I want to share a passage. Um, a scripture that is very dear to my heart. Um, and it paints a picture of the wider mission of the church. Why are we here? So, 2 Peter 2, 1, it says this. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach to others also. Now, I'm, I guess most of you have heard, read that passage before. It's very familiar. It says Paul writing to Timothy, his son in the faith. And what I love about this passage is that it talks about the continuation of the church, the continuation of the hope of the world. That should get us excited, right? This thing of going from one generation and teaching the next generation and the next generation and the next generation after that. And this, this thing of the church will keep going until the end of the age and until Christ returns. It's, it's through the church that the manifold wisdom of Christ will be known. Through this thing. <laughs> and we get to partake in that. And all of us uh, as believers, we've heard the gospel, we know the gospel. And, and part of our responsibility is to take what we've learned and to pass it on. And I was, uh, there's, there's a saying, and it's debated, the origins of it debated, but it's, it's each one teach one. Now, I know there's some Americans here, and the Americans have tried to claim that, but I would say, it sounds like an African proverb, right? Can we just go with that? Okay, right. So we're just going to claim it back. <laughs> but it is, it's a thing of each one teach one, okay? And it's this thing, it's this idea of what you've gained, teach to someone else. And in that context, it was about learning to read and write. And actually, that's important, but we've received the gospel, and how much more important is it that we receive the gospel, that we take that and teach other people that? This precious gospel that, that Jesus talks about in Matthew 24, 14. Listen to these words. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. <laughs> this 
gospel. And I, I love this scripture. It's, I'm, I'm preaching a lot out of First and Second Corinthians tonight, but First Corinthians fifteen three, and you probably all know it. But Paul says this: For what I have received, I pass on to you of first importance. How to be a better Christian? How to live your best life? How to make more money? No, of first importance is that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas and then to the Twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 brothers at once, most of whom are still living. I love the Scripture for apologetics. Though some may have fallen asleep, then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as one of untimely birth. The gospel. Paul's emphatic that this is of first importance, that Christ died for our sins. Do, do we see the gospel as that, as of first importance? Or, or, or when you're in a situation, I've thought of this, do we, do we give good advice or do we give the gospel? <laughs> and so we, we gather this thing that Paul is saying to Timothy in this, in this, this passage, that the, this message that he has received is of first importance, the gospel of Christ. It is the most important message then, and it is the most important message now. Nothing has changed in our devotion and spreading of this gospel message to a dying world. Romans 1.16, we all know it. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. It is the power of God unto salvation, this gospel that will be preached and then the end will come. But until then, we carry this and we pass it on, we teach it. Well, who, do, who, who does um, Paul say first? He says to Timothy, entrust us to faithful men. And I, I like this word because as much as this message is primary and it needs to be taught, Paul uses this word entrust. And he actually uses the word teach and pass on later. You see, later in the verse, it's not there now, later in the verse he says, teach this to others. But when he says it to faithful men, he says, entrust this to faithful men. Now, entrust is an interesting word. It says, to commit to another with confidence. So if I entrust something to you, I'm committing it with confidence. If, if my daughters get married one day, I'm entrusting them to their husband with confidence that that man will then look after them. Any better? <laughs> Just a warning. <laughs> you see, this word entrust, I think, carries a lot more weight. It's something, it's a, it's a deposit, it's, it's precious, and is put into the care of someone else for safe keeping. You see, giving something to someone of value is a reflection of their character and the trust that you place in them. If I give something to you and entrust something, I just don't entrust something to anyone. I'll entrust it to someone that I think is trustworthy and can be trusted with what I'm giving them. 
And so Timothy is entrusted with this gospel. And then he says, take what I've taught. Take what, I've, what, you've, what, I've, what, what you've heard me say and then trust this to faithful men. Not just any men, but men who can be trusted. Men who will not take the gospel and manipulate it. Men who will not take the gospel and twist it and distort it for their own gain. It's, I'm not even going to go there. <laughs> and this thing of, of entrusting the gospel to faithful men is like, is like depositing something inside of these people. And it takes time to deposit something of value or a message of value into people so that they fully understand it. It's very hard to go to someone once and go, here is the message of the gospel. I'm just, just, let's just talk for 10 minutes. I've entrusted it to you. Now you go and do that, do what I've told you to do. No, I think this takes time and training and discipline and, and sitting under the teaching of someone and going, okay, I, I think I understand what you're saying. I, I'm receiving what you're saying. And, and this person going, I'm entrusting this most precious, precious, precious message to you. How seriously, how seriously do we take it? Because <laughs> we've just heard it's the gospel. It's the power of God into salvation. The only way people will be saved is through the gospel. Think about that. Not through meals. Could be part of it. It's the gospel. The whole gospel. 1 Corinthians 15. I've lost my notes here. <laughs> and so... Paul is writing to Timothy, his son in the faith, and Paul has taken time to develop this gift, and we see this because in 1 Corinthians 4.17, Paul says this, that is why I sent you, Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere and in every church. So Paul sends Timothy, who has received a deposit from Paul, and he entrusts Timothy to now go and speak because he's learned from Paul what he's been taught. Because Timothy is found faithful. And we need faithful men and women who will carry the gospel to the world. And we need them, I think, well, we need them more than ever, but we, we have them here. We do have them here. But we need more. And uh, I, I, um, as a pastor, I have lots of coffees. I mean, it's, it's cool in, in some sense. Um, in other senses, you start running out of coffee shops to go to, which is really a silly problem. But anyway, and we end up having more meetings at home at this point because it's like I just like being in my house and um, I'd rather just have coffee at home and not pay someone else. But, but we do get to speak to a lot of people. And I sat down with someone recently, which was awesome, a young guy who had gone to the conference. And uh, I, think, I think I'd kind of seen something on his life. And Hacker at the conference said, what about this young man going to a year of discipleship school? And um, I must be honest, I didn't see that. That's why I have my amazing wife. He partners with me. <laughs> and so I went to have coffee with him, and I was like, this, is, this feels so left field, man. Like, ah. and it, like, I'm pretty good at starting conversations, but this one, I was like, I don't even know where to start. Like... How do you say to someone, hey, man, do you just want to give up everything and go for a year of your life to, to Bible school? Like, either it could be, like, totally cool or, like, dude, what are you talking about? Like, I'm the wrong person for the job. 
And so I sat down with him and asked, I just said, what are your plans for next year? And uh, he just goes, you know, at the conference, I was asking God what my calling is. <laughs> now, I don't know many 19-year-olds. In fact, I think I only know one. <laughs> <laughs> but I was so blown away going, okay, so, so leading up to the conference and, and the night before the conference, you're praying going, God, what is my calling? What is my purpose on this world? It's not about, about money or, or jobs or all that kind of stuff, which is important, but it's just like, what do you want me to do, God? And so that, the minute he said that, I was like, I think I'm in the right place. I think this conversation is going to go the way I think it's going to go. And um, so we started talking about it, and I'm going to let him share just now. Actually, so here's the news. Yay! Yay. <laughs> Finally, I got to the news. <laughs> I feel like I should have lights and like stuff happening. Okay, so the news for our congregation is that we are feeling to send Thurston to the Rooted Bible School in Joburg. Okay. <laughs> you want to come share? Yeah, it's, it's awesome. <laughs> so I, I've asked him to share very quickly because I, the thing I said to him was, the first thing he said, what about finance? And I said, don't worry about finance, find out what God wants. And that's the first thing I said to him, go and pray, find out what God wants, hear what he's saying, and come back and speak to us. Okay, you want to share quickly? Okay, cool. So just before the conference, I had a, call, like a chat with a few friends of mine, and they, I just told them that I really want to find my calling and identity in Christ. And yeah, so I just prayed about it. And then a week or two after, I think I spoke to Dylan and he spoke to me about a discipleship school called Rooted in Benoni. And I was asking myself, am I ready for this? Because next year is like in two months and Benoni wasn't really like a part of my plan for next year. <laughs> yeah. So then... I told him I'd pray about it, and the more I prayed about it, uh, I just felt the Lord leading me to Jeremiah 29, 11, for honor the plans I have for you, plans to prosper, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and the future. And I just thought this was like a reassuring moment of the Lord telling me, this is my plan for you, and just sacrifice whatever, and just follow me. And then I, told, I got back to Dylan, and I told him, I'll be very keen to do Rooted next year. And he got me on a call with Ross and Pete, the people who run Rooted. And it was just an opportunity for me to ask more questions about the school. And they asked me questions that was put, like that the Holy Spirit put on their heart. And then after the call, they just told me that they feel very confident that I should be doing Rooted next year and that I'm accepted as well. So yeah, I'm very excited for the opportunity and yes. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah, it's amazing, eh? I mean, you've got to know God's called you if you're going to Benoni. <laughs> like, if God's calling you to, like, Muscle Bay or something, it's like, yeah, Lord, it's going to suffer for the gospel, but in Benoni. This has never been on a plane. He's going to Benoni. He's going to Rooted. Okay, let me first say, he's going to Rooted, not to Benoni. He's Rooted in Benoni, but... And why that school? So actually, the week before, we know Ross and um, Lee, who, Ross is the dean there, and he runs the school. 
And we were just talking about the school, and, and I just, I really got his heart for it. And I was like, man, I think this is the right fit. It's on a, it's, it's crazy to understand, try to figure this out. Because you think Joburg, you think skyscrapers, high-rises, smog, cars, craziness. But Rooted is on a farm, on a small holding, with trees, and it is beautiful, and there's an orphanage. Um, where they take and they have the foster little babies and the, 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 the rooted team stay on the farm, which is called Almond Tree, the Almond Tree Farm. So don't think he's suffering too much, okay? He's going to be in an awesomely beautiful place in Joburg. And then the opportunity then is to go on outreaches to... The sound is kind of something, but... Yeah, this way. Okay, okay, anyway. But, um, but the opportunity to go on outreaches, maybe, I don't know where they go. They went to Zimbabwe this year, and they go all around the country. So it really is going to be incredible. So we are trusting that God will do an incredible work in your life, first and actually. Um, first and foremost, that you come back, as you said, grounded in Him with an identity of who you are in Christ. And, and let's see what God does. If He comes back, I don't know. Guys, we hold, guys, we hold these things lightly. He's not ours. He's not mine. He's God's. So if he goes there and God says, Thurston, thanks for coming to Benoni. I want you to go, da 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 Like, praise God. As long as he's obedient. Okay. Amazing. All right. So that is good news, eh? Better than a building and better than Andrew Selly coming. <laughs> okay. So the scripture that Rooted is based on, I just wanted to share this with you, is, um, therefore, just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to walk in him rooted and built up in him, established in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. So that is, what, that is a scripture that the school is based on. So I think you're going to have an incredible time there, my friend. I'm very, very excited for you. Um, Sophie and I will probably be flying up with him, just to really just to present him or hand him over in the best way possible. <laughs> and go, hey, this is an incredible young man. He's going to start slotting with a church up there called City on a Hill. Um, Thanks, Tim. That's awesome. Okay, so that is good news. And then you're going, well, this is amazing. What, is, what part do we get to play apart from just being really excited and sending him on his way? Uh, well, I'm so glad you asked. Because there's a saying in South Africa called nothing for mahala. Do you know what that means? <laughs> I think it means nothing for free. Am I right? I should have checked that. Before. Okay, sure. Okay. <laughs> I could have gone so south. Nothing for Mahalo, which means nothing for free. And so as a small congregation, in some sense, this is where the rubber hits the road because there are cost implications to Bible school. I wish Bible schools were free. YWAM's not free, right? No? <laughs> Marco was there. <laughs> okay. So what does it look like for us as a church who's sending a young man to a Bible school to see what the plans that God has for him? And I want to look at a few passages very quickly to support this idea that, that Paul talks about uh, partnering with churches and churches that, that um, partnered with Paul's ministry. And one in particular is the church in Philippi. So let me read a passage quickly from that. Paul says this, Yet it was, it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Crazy. Who of us would jump at the opportunity to, to partner with the Apostle Paul now? 
George, have proud. <laughs> I mean, he just wrote like, most of the New Testament. But anyway, let's move on. <laughs> George Thurston, I'm praying for you, Bri. <laughs> and so we see this concept of churches supporting the work of the gospel. And it is our awesome privilege as a church to partner with Thurston. Okay. Because listen to what Paul says here. I love this passage. I actually, I've just been meditating on this passage this week. He says this in 2 Corinthians 8, 1, 2, 5. He says, Now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the churches of Macedonia. And he's writing to the churches in Corinth, saying, You need to know about the churches in Macedonia. In the, in the terrible ordeal they suffered, their abundant joy and deep poverty overflowed into rich generosity. I read that line, I'm like, that has to be one of the most beautiful lines of scripture I've ever read. It says, in the terrible ordeal they suffered, their abundant joy and deep poverty overflowed into rich generosity. For I testify that they gave according to their ability and even beyond it, of their own accord. They earnestly, uh, how's this? They earnestly, a poor church, earnestly pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the saints. <laughs> and not only did they do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us because it was the will of God. Paul, talking about these churches in Macedonia who really don't have much. And you, and you kind of get this thing of like, you're going to a church that doesn't have much, and you're going, I'm going to have to ask you to help me. And they are pleading with him for the possibility or the chance to help other churches. Pleading for the privilege of helping the saints. Why? Because they understand who Jesus is. They understand what he's done for them. To understand that this is what it's all about in some sense. And that word privilege is interesting because it means this. To give an advantage to one person or group of people and not to another. And so this church, this one church, is saying, give us the privilege over all other churches to partner with you in the gospel. Musenberg Church can we plead for the privilege? I'm going to ask, and this is where it gets super practical, I'm going to ask everyone in this church to go before the Lord and to ask him how you can help. And this is between you and the Lord. I don't want, really, hear my heart, I don't want to control, I don't want to mandate, I'm not here to manipulate anyone at all. I don't know, I'm not going to know anything about anything about what happens. Craig is our deacon in charge of finances. Everything goes through him. If I need to draw money from the arms account, I have to ask Craig. Craig asks the office. The office gets back to It's like too much admin for my brain. I'm just like, no. <laughs> Craig, can you all go? Okay, cool. <laughs> but I really would ask you to, and, and I, I would be honestly and genuine when I say this, if you can afford 10 rand, give 10 rand. And if you can afford 10,000 rand, give 10,000 rand. Because I think we equate giving with how much. It's not about that. 
Think of the widow who gave her last two coins. According to what you can give, really, I'm sincere in that. If you can give one rand, um, anything, towards this man and sowing into his life and, and, and furthering his life in the gospel. And then on the other side, if you, if you feel not to give, then I would ask you not to give. I don't want anyone to give out of compulsion or feel like they have to, because Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 9, 6, and I, I love this passage because we always use it when we talk about finances. And you probably know where I'm going, like, the Lord loves a cheerful giver. <laughs> right? And he does. But you know why Paul's writing that? Because he's writing to the same church in Corinth who he's writing this letter to going, you guys promised to give money, and now if, if, uh, please follow through with your promise. Because <laughs> if I bring people from the church in Macedonia who gave from their nothing, and they see that you're not following through, you will be embarrassed, and I will be embarrassed. And so on the back of that, he says, the Lord loves a cheerful giver. Don't give because you feel you have to or because I've said so or this or there's pressure. No, go before the Lord and give because you want to. I promise you, when you give cheerfully, you don't even think about the money. You just go, it's gone, cool, wonderful, thank you, Jesus. He says this, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly and whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Each one of you must give as he decides in his heart. Not reluctant, reluctantly or under compulsion, but God loves cheerful giver. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, we may abound in every good work. That is my appeal. Focus first on the fact that we as a church have the privilege of sending a young man to Bible college. The practical implication of that is that there's a thing called money that we need to send him there. And somewhere in God's amazing economy and his grace and his mercy, maybe, maybe we, like the small church in Philippi, will be able to raise enough money to send him. Imagine. I pray that we would. Why not? So I will send around details. I'm just talking to the office about what that looks like. I think we were going to use the arms account, but I don't know if that's the best way. So we will get in touch with you this week. But I'm excited. I think it's going to be incredible. And may this be the first of many. I don't see why we just in the life plan of this church send one guy off to college to, to learn and to grow. And I hope he comes back. <laughs> There's... Uh, <laughs> I shouldn't say this. I should, yes, I shouldn't say this because I, I don't believe in jinxing or superstition or whatever. I don't. But <laughs> there is a bit of a thing of like when you send guys to Benoni, for some reason, they don't come back, which is amazing because God is doing an incredible work in that church. He really is. And so don't, don't let that swing you in any way. Just go, Jesus, I'm going to give towards this man's life. And you will one day have an inheritance in what he achieves for the gospel. And I believe he's a man who loves God. 